All right. Wow. Awesome. Awesome job. And uh, that's a really interesting drama. I love that song that they ended up on. Perfect song for what we're going to be talking about this morning. But I wish we could kind of poll the audience. Wish we could uh, kind of find out where, how we were feeling at certain stages of that. Is uh, we had our guy sitting out here on the bench. You know, about 20 seconds in, I'm like, all right, something's going to happen here. A little awkward. You probably noticed you could hear a pin drop in the place, maybe thinking somebody's missing their cue somewhere and leaving this poor guy out here. And then about 40 seconds into it, if I'm honest with you, I'm feeling downright uncomfortable. It's like, okay, uh, where, where is this thing going? But, you know, as I, I watch just that uncomfortable tension that I think we all felt in that moment, and that's the beautiful thing about drama, we're able to kind of enter into it and feel that along with what's being performed on the stage, and I don't want you to forget that discomfort this morning. I want you to hold on to that. We're going to come back to it, all right? We're going to come back to it. Last week, uh, Doug introduced a new series on kryptonite. And uh, he made three good points last week that I want to briefly revisit. He actually made a lot more than three good points, but um, since only three of them were good, (laughs) we're just going to limit it to that. There are a lot of parallels between followers of Jesus and the superheroes that we enjoy watching on the screen. One of them is that every superhero has a true identity. Doug did a great job explaining that last week. They also have special powers that enable them to fulfill their mission. And we have that too. They also did what they did for a greater purpose. They, they uh, imitate, excuse me, we imitate God. Doug took us to Ephesians 5.1. We imitate God because we are his children. So it kind of goes like this. Out of our identity flows our mission, and God has given us everything that we need to live a life that pleases him. He's given us every weapon, every tool that we need to complete our mission, which ultimately is his mission, all right? So think with me here. Think Clark Kent for a second, all right? Clark Kent is a reporter. You watch him. He's kind of one of these bumbling kind of guys, can't seem to get out of his own way. You know the type, he's depriving some village somewhere of an idiot. And, but he has a true identity, and his true identity is Superman. He's Superman. He has great superpowers. He has crazy awesome strength. He can see through stuff. He can melt junk with his eyes. He can fly. And perhaps most impressive of all, he can change clothes quickly inside of the tight confines of a phone booth, back when phone booths used to be a thing. But there's one thing that Superman in his world that could weaken him, one thing that was an assault on his strength that would weaken him, and that is kryptonite. That's kryptonite, and that's what this series is all about, this one element, this one substance that could assault Superman in the place of his greatest strength. Now, it's important that we understand this. Just because kryptonite weakened him, it did not change his identity, okay? He was still 
Superman. That's not the way kryptonite works. It doesn't change your identity. What kryptonite does is it renders those superpowers temporarily ineffective for the situation at hand. So the difference between us and Superman is that for Superman, there's only one kryptonite, right? It's just one thing that he has to avoid, one thing that he has to steer clear of so he can maintain his strength. But for us, for us, there are many different types of kryptonite. There are many things that assault our strength and weaken us. We're going to talk about one of those things today, and that is what we're calling the solo hero. The solo hero. The solo hero is the, I don't need anyone else, I got this mentality. And it hurts us, and it hurts those around us as well. Remember our guy alone on the bench? He's you know, we, we're watching it. We innately know that something's not right here. We're waiting for something to happen. It just can't be alone all the time. And this is the kryptonite that we are talking about today, the loner. Going it alone in life, in projects, in decisions, and the loner mentality, and this is exactly where God does not want us to be, what God does not want us to to do. You know, there are so many examples of kryptonite in scripture. I'm just going to give you three rapid fire here. We could talk about Saul. Saul, uh, we could say his kryptonite was power. He wanted it. And once he had it, he didn't want to let go of it. And it influenced all of his decisions. We could say peer pressure for Paul too, because he always wanted to please other people. And I know that Saul, right, is the only person who ever struggled with peer pressure and wanting to please other people. Nobody in this room, of course, has that struggle, but we could also talk about Judas Iscariot, his kryptonite greed. He wanted notoriety. He wanted to, uh, he wanted to advancement. He wanted recognition, and even to the point where he was willing to betray the Lord Jesus for a handful of silver. We could also talk about Samson. Samson's kryptonite was named Delilah. You know, I have definitely tried to play the part of solo hero in my life before. I have definitely done that with bad consequences. And I'm guessing that in a room full of people this size, that I'm not the only one who has ever tried to do that before and has experienced the consequences of that. Batman tried to be a loner too. Check out this clip. I should have known better than to sneak up on you like that. Sorry, I've just lost in thought, and as you know, when I'm in there, I'm in deep. Were you looking at the old family pictures again? At the what? The old family... Oh, yes, I see what you mean. 
Look at that. The old gang. Yeah. No, I wasn't. I see. Sir, if you don't mind my saying, I'm a little concerned. I've seen you go through similar phases in 2016 and 2012 and 2008 and 2005 and 1997 and 1995 and 1992 and 1989 and that weird one in 1966. Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? I don't talk about I don't feel anything emotionally except for rage. 24-7, 365, at a million percent. And if you think that there's something behind that, then you're crazy. Good night, Alfred. Sir, it's morning. <laughs> Master Bruce, you live on an island figuratively and literally. Yeah, I love it. You can't spend the rest of your life alone, dressed in black, listening to angry music and staying up all night. Yes, I can, because I'm Batman. But... Don't you think it's time you finally faced your greatest fear? Snakes? No. Clowns? No. Snake clowns? Bruce, listen. Your greatest fear is being a part of a family again. Now it's snake clowns because you put that idea in my head. Sir. Time for push-ups. One, two, we're going to a thousand. I'm afraid that's not Eight. possible, sir. It is possible. I'm already at 20. You're 20 scheduled two, to go to Jim Gordon's three. retirement party. What? No. I don't want to do that. You're going to have a great time. No, 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 you no. You might meet some new people. No, 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 no. You even make some new friends. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> All right. Let's close in prayer. No. <laughs> so, Batman is trying to go it alone, but playing the hero, playing solo hero, brings negative consequences to him and everyone around him. And the truth is, I think, and I've never said this in a message before, but I think there's a little bit of Lego Batman in all of us. I think there is this, I work alone, I got this mentality that keeps us distanced from others, that keeps us away from a team. And if this is where we are, if this is where we are living, then I just need to say it this morning. We are in a bad, bad place. This is not the place where God would have us to be. So let's go back to the very beginning, the very beginning. I don't mean of this morning or this message, but the very beginning, the creation narrative in the book of Genesis. God is creating stuff, and at the end of what, what the Bible calls days, at the end of each day, God looks at what he's done, and he says, that's good. That's good. He was pleased with what he had done. He said, it is good. And but you know, as I was thinking about this the last couple of weeks, it dawned on me that there was one time in that creation narrative, only once, but there was one time where God said, this is not good. He had created Adam, and he's kind of looking at Adam, and he says, it is not good for the man to be alone. On the first few pages of the Bible, 
It is not good. Aloneness is, is, God says, it is not a good thing. Isolation is not what you're made for, Adam. This is not good for you to be alone. So, knowing that it brings negative consequences, knowing that we were not made for this, feeling the uncomfortable tension of being alone or seeing someone else, like our guy on the bench who was alone. Knowing all of that and that God has said it's not good to be alone. Why do we do stuff alone? Why is it so tempting to go it alone and say, I'm good, I got this. Maybe it's control. I want to control, I want to have all the say, I want to make all the decisions, and if there's anybody else in the group, then I won't get to do that, so I'm going solo. Or maybe it's, I can do it better, or I could do it faster. I'm man enough to stand up here and tell you that I used to think that I could get things done faster by myself, okay, which of course is ridiculous. Uh, I can get some things done by myself faster, but uh, important things in life, we do in teams and it always gets done better and faster it could also be fear fear comes at us from many different angles it can assault us from many different sides and uh, fear is a biggie in life it could be fear of the opinions of others like Saul right it could be fear of failure the idea that it's better to not try at all than to try and not succeed it could be fear of exposure. If I get in a group then, and, and people see me for who I really am and they're going to see that I can't come through, they're going to see that I don't have what it takes and they're going to know that I'm an imposter or a poser or fraud and then I'm ruined. So I'm not even going to join the group. It could be a fear of being hurt. Maybe you've tried a, this group thing before and it's not worked well. For you. Maybe it bombed and you're just like, never again. Could be any one of those things. That list could be longer. I think for myself, I think if you were to ask me or my wife, I think, um, whoops, I think that on my own control and fear of failure. I think those two are the ones for me. Those, when I find myself wanting to go alone, be the solo hero, I think those two things are what drives me into that. I can think of so many times in my life where I've done this. I remember when uh, my wife and I were in Virginia. Uh, it's where we were married, and we were first-time youth pastor in a church in Virginia. I had this great youth leader, college guy named Tyler. He was awesome, really great guy. And uh, really passionate about what he was doing. Really good leader. Quality dude. And so he came to me once and he says, Jeff, uh, I have been talking to some of our older students, some of our core students, you know, juniors and seniors. And they have a really great idea. And we all love this idea. And we think that we need to enact this idea. And here, here's the idea. See, you have to know that our youth nights were structured this way. We would get there and hang out for about 10 minutes. Have a long lesson that I taught. And then we would have some game time, and the game time wasn't over until I won. And so, so that, that was kind of like our youth night. And during the games and stuff, people could have snacks. There was no music or anything. But Tyler comes to me and he says, students want to start a worship band. And they want to 
invite their friends to come here and so they could see their own joy of serving Jesus by using their gifts and strengths in music and leading other students in worship. And I couldn't figure out why I was the only person who saw this for the stupid idea that it was, you know? And so I said no. I said to Tyler, I said, you know, here's what's going to happen, man. We're going to have to shorten the game time. And we're also, my lesson time is going to have to be shorter. And I don't really think that in this group there's the talent to do this well. And so if we can't do it really well, we shouldn't do it at all. I actually said that to him. So it wasn't too much longer after that before my wife and I left that church and went to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, where we lived until we moved to Rochester. And so what happened is Tyler became part of the leadership team for the youth group there. And guess what the first thing they did was? <laughs> they started a band, and it was awesome. This was a real learning experience for me. It was awesome. Problem is, their youth pastor had decided he was going to play the solo hero and poured water all over their dream of being able to do this. So that's one of the ways that it has negative consequences. So before we go any further here, I want to clarify something that I am not saying this morning, okay? I am not saying, in all this talk about being alone, I am not saying that getting alone for some much-needed alone time is wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, that is a very good thing. We all need it. Jesus, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, needed it, and he needed it often, and he did it often. We all need that. It is healthy. But there is a difference between getting some much-needed alone time, and being a loner. There's a big difference between those two things. God's word is crystal clear on this issue of team and togetherness. Not only does God tell us to be in community, he designed us for community. He designed us that way, that the fulfillment that he wants us to have only comes in community. We were designed this way. And this is all over scripture. Okay, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4.12, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Kind of a famous verse. Okay, so if I'm going repelling, we're together, we're going repelling, and I'm you know, leaning back over that edge of that rock face. You can do what you want. I'm going with the cord of three strands, all right? You can go with the single strand if you'd like to, and I'll meet you at the bottom. You'll get there much faster than I will, all right? So David said, it is, excuse me, how wonderful, I memorized it in a different translation, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity or when brothers dwell together in unity how about all of the one another's in 
the Bible. Maybe you're new to the Bible and you're just kind of checking things out. Well, all over, especially the New Testament, there are all these things that end in one another, right? This could be a whole series of messages all by itself. Love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, counsel one another, forgive one another, admonish and warn one another. It's all over the place from the very beginning when God said it is not good for a man to be alone to the last verses in the book of Revelation. This idea of togetherness and community are either they they are explicitly stated or strongly implied or they're just straight up assumed all through the Bible on every page. So let me ask you this question. When we're doing this, when we're living this way, the way for what we were designed, who wins? Who wins when we do this? Let's, let's uh, take this question this way. When you forsake the solo hero and you embrace team and togetherness and relationships and community, you win. But I win too. And everyone wins. When I embrace community i win big time and so do you and so does everybody else so we can say that who wins we all do we all we we all win so maybe we could ask this who loses right who loses let's go back to my story about my youth group in virginia who lost there the students definitely lost i am ashamed to say the students, had, the students there definitely lost. Tyler lost. He was being a good leader, and his youth pastor poured water all over this great idea because he wanted to, be, to do the solo thing, and I lost. I missed out big time on some things that God wanted to do there, and it took me leaving for those awesome things to be put into place. So we all lose when somebody chooses isolation over togetherness. And we all win when we choose relationships and community. We all win. So what does it look like when we win? What does the win look like for us? What are the benefits? Well, First of all, we get to a better place emotionally, don't we? Much more stable place emotionally. Listen, we all have ups and downs. We all have them. It's one of those not questions of if, but when. And where you are in life, if you're going it alone or if you're in community, is going to be a big deal when you get to those downs. The, the loner, he's alone, and there's nobody there to celebrate his joys with him and there's nobody there to help him when he is in one of his lulls when he's in one of the valleys but those who have experienced deeper more meaningful community we have experienced that awesome sense that awesome feeling of entering into each other's joy and entering into each other's pain and each other's sorrows and griefs and, and celebrating when, when something great happens or when, when there's a victory experienced by someone. We, we've, we've experienced that in community and it's amazing. 
It's amazing the emotional stability that that brings. Uh, counselors call that crawling into the casket with somebody. Better place spiritually, emotionally and spiritually. Did you know that in Hebrews, the, the writer of Hebrews says that we fall away from the faith when we neglect meeting together? There is power in that. Together is where God is. Together is God's design for us. So we fall away when we neglect that. Solo hero is the antithesis of spiritual wholeness. It also brings us to a better place physically. And a lot of you who live in the medical world could explain this much better than I can. But I know this much that stress and the effects that stress has on the body. I've experienced that a little bit myself, but some of you have too. But stress is a major factor in heart attacks, cancer. And to embrace the life of the solo hero is to embrace a life of stress. It's a lifestyle of stress management. How can it not be? Everything is on your shoulders. Everything. You have no help. You are telling everybody to leave me alone when deep down you know you need them. And so there's that stress. There's also, uh, you know, it's just stress compounding on stress compounding on stress. And it just feeds on itself. And it's an unhealthy thing. It's losing sleep at night. You're, you're, you're not eating the way that, that you should be. And, and that causes even more, Right? So moving towards and living in community puts us in a much better place emotionally, spiritually, and physically. It brings wholeness and vitality and clarity. It all boils down to this. Life is better in community. It's just better. It just is. It's it's more rewarding. It's more fulfilling. Life is richer and happier and healthier. You are wiser when you are in community. You're making better decisions when you're in community. Alone, I am so much more prone to sin. Alone, I am so much more prone to be making foolish choices. I have much more fear. I am so prone to that downward spiral brought on by what ifs where anxiety and and uh, despair kind of kind of fold in on themselves and, and create this downward spiral of nastiness leads to like anxiety attacks panic attacks maybe some of you have experienced that I have experienced that too and it's an awful awful place many times that's where I end up when I try to play the role of the solo hero Life is just better in community. So let me ask you, don't we want that? Don't we want that? Isn't that what we desire? Isn't that what we crave? Wouldn't we love our lives to be richer, fuller? What can we do today to start moving in that direction? What can we do? What are some action steps we can take? Well, the first thing we can do is you got to get to the right place. And the right place is not on the bench. 
You got to get to the right place. And this could look differently for all of us. Have someone over for dinner. You know, arrange coffee with somebody and, and meet them during the day and just connect. Uh, pick an area of the church to serve. Get on a ministry team. Bring your strengths to a team where you are important to what they're trying to accomplish and you are leaning on them and they're leaning on you as well to work towards a common goal. I don't think that friending a bunch of people on Facebook is the right place. You can be very active on social media and still be on the bench. The best thing, my opinion, the best thing that you can do, if you were to come to me and say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this a little bit. Yeah, what, what's the best thing I could do today? Here's what I would tell you. Get in a good small group. Because a small group, man, that is the, in my opinion, that is the best environment for a person to grow spiritually. And we have good small groups here at Crosswind. And how awesome is my job, by the way, that I get to, you know, uh, kind of be in charge of that and, and take a lead role in that connecting people to good small groups. I love it. I love it. The best thing you could do, join a small group if you're not already in one. If you are already in a good one, maybe it's helping somebody else find that community as well. Maybe you say, you know, I've tried a small group and it didn't work. In fact, it was a nightmare. I got burned. I got burned. It was terrible. You know, the trust fall, you know, you you fall backwards, somebody's supposed to catch you. I, it usually takes me about eight or ten tries before I actually will go through with it. Uh, maybe it says something about my level of trust in other people, but you know, I'll, I'll start to fall back and I'll turn around, make sure he's still there. All right, I'll, I'll go back again and you know, remind the person that it won't be funny at all if if they don't catch me, and that will be just not funny in the least. And and, and then, you know, go back a couple times, just catch myself about eight or ten times, and then I'll give it a go, and they catch me. Maybe you've been in that place. Maybe you've put yourself out there in a small group or some kind of small community setting at a church or somewhere else, and it didn't work. The people who were supposed to catch you didn't. And that hard, painful thud of you hitting the floor that took your breath away, that is still very real in your memory, and you're avoiding giving that another try because of that pain. I want to share, I, I want to strongly just encourage you this morning and say to you lovingly, it's time to take risks. We get to the right place, but we take risks. This is a big deal. Let me just say, if that is you this morning, I am so sorry that that has happened to you. That should never have happened to you. And it only compounds the pain if it happened to you in a church setting. Because those are the people who are supposed to know better, right? Those are the people who are supposed to, to know how to catch people. And when that doesn't happen, mm, the pain that comes from that, but I want you to trust God, risk a little bit, trust God, put him to the test in this, and see if he is not faithful. 
trust him to lead you to a good small group. And as I said, there are many here at Crosswinds. You can write from here, go right out to the welcome table today and fill out a small group sign-up card. And we will connect you with a good small group that seems to be a good fit and, and you can get back in the game that way. I want to tell you, your bad experience does not negate your need for meaningful connection and meaningful community with other people. And if you're a believer with other believers, it, it does not take that away. It does not change your design. So please don't deprive a ministry team. Don't deprive a small group of the strengths that you can bring. They need you and you need them. And small groups are a great place to heal. It's a great place to heal. I too have been burned in a church setting and it's terrible. There is a, there is a long healing process that follows something like that. But you can heal. I've completely healed. I can look back on it now. I can think about it. It was awful. Maybe one day I'll tell you the story. But it was awful. And I can look back on it now and think about it. And it, as it plays through my mind, I feel no pain whatsoever. Because God has led me to a place to heal. So there comes a point where you just simply have to step out. Share that struggle. Ask that person for help. Be that help for somebody else. And lastly, we form new habits. We form new habits. Now, this is much easier said than done, forming new habits. The, the experts tell us that it takes about three weeks, in most cases, to replace an old habit with a new one. Uh, it is very difficult to do that, but... It is also very simple. It is difficult, but it is simple. Okay, it's not easy, but it's simple. Here's how you do it. You start doing it, and then step two, repeat. All right? You're welcome. <laughs> you start doing it, and you repeat. And it really is just that simple. Now, it's very hard to accomplish it, you know, because you're set in your ways and all of that, but we form new habits. So... On the screen are steps that will move us towards greater health, greater vitality, greater fulfillment. Again, like who doesn't want this? Greater clarity. It will move you closer to God in the sense that God is in community. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. It moves us towards him and it enables us to be living out our lives the way that God designed them to be live. Of course, of course there's going to be greater fulfillment when we do that. Some of you might be looking at this list and you might be bristling at one or two of these steps. But it has to be done. It has to be done. Perhaps you're saying, I don't know if I'm really, to, if I'm really ready to make this decision yet. Maybe you're on the bench this morning, you're saying, like, I don't know if I'm ready to step out again. I don't know if I'm ready to try that. I don't know if I'm ready, you know, really willing to, to risk this. You know, the guy on the bench this morning, they invited, in him, invited him into something beautiful. My wife was here last night. She told me, what a, 
what an awesome moment when those lights came on and and he was just playing that guitar. He fit right in with everybody else. He had been invited into something bigger than him. He had been invited into a community where he fit and where his strengths were adding to the community, not taking away from them. And everybody was blessed. Everybody was better off for him being there. And she, she was telling me last night, like, what an awesome moment that was when he was holding the guitar. You know, moment of decision. And I want to tell you this morning, the best place to make that decision is the bench. To drive a stake in the ground and say, from now on, my life is going to be on a different trajectory than where I've been. We're going to head this thing in a different direction, and I am going to seek this out. The bench is the best place, the exact place for you to make that decision. So we'll leave today with this question before we close in prayer with this question. What step do I need to take today to follow God into community? What do I need to take? We've seen some action steps. What step do I need to take today? You think about that. You know, I too I'm kind of on the bench. You know, we, we moved a thousand miles to come to a city that we had never been to before. We had uh, only been in Minnesota before on a layover, and I won't hold that against you. <laughs> but that's the only time we had ever been here. We've been really warmly welcomed here at Crosswinds, and we're so grateful for that. Uh, we're enjoying meeting all of you. I'm still getting to know the staff. Not sure I like them yet. I mean, Weinkoff. Enough said, you know. Uh, Doug Mathers has the word math in his name, and that can't lead to anywhere good, possibly. So, just kidding, they're great. But I'm going to tell you something. Where the Parsons family is, two years, three years, five years, is going to be wholly determined by what we do with this question will be wholly determined by that. My wife and I, we talk about this. You know, we want a richer, fuller life. We want a life in community, and we are uh, part of a small group here. We just met for the first time this past week, and it was awesome. And we can't wait to go deeper with those people. We are orienting and prioritizing our whole existence as a family around this desire. So let me ask you, do you struggle with being the solo hero? Do you struggle with that? I do too. I do. Maybe it's time today to let go of the solo hero, to abandon I got this, and to embrace let's do this. Let's pray. Father, it's such a temptation to go it alone sometimes. And we know Jesus said that I've come to give you life and that you would have life abundantly. God, would you kill within us this harmful and unhealthy, I got this 
mentality. Would you help us to move past that today, God? Would you give us the courage to choose community and in so doing, God, eliminate the kryptonite of the solo hero? We look to you, Father, to do this in our hearts because it is your work. And if you don't do it, then it won't get done. We ask all of this in Christ's name, Christ's powerful name. Amen.